Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kulsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, it's, you know... An important it's an important day today as we record because that's right the awards that we all care so very much about have been announced listeners they they've announced the nominations uh or maybe it was yesterday i don't even remember they've announced the nominees for the golden globe awards i think it was yesterday i was all excited about the golden globes this year because uh tina fey and amy poehler are hosting again right and then i found out that they're hosting from opposite coasts and i was yes. like oh I am much less excited. And then I saw that Emily in Paris was nominated, but, you know, and I know it's a different category, but still, but, but uh, I may destroy you was not nominated. And I was angry, <laughs> even though I don't care. I don't care about the Golden Globes, um, but I was going to watch this one for Faye and Polar because they're, they were terrific. The previous two times that they hosted super mm-hmm. fun. Um, and, uh, you know, very glad that they got them back for this. Uh, and then I found out, oh, they won't be able to banter, really. And also, uh, this is a bunch of bullshit with most of the nominations. Uh, most, of the, most of the TV categories. Not all the nominations within each category, but most of the categories had a bunch of bullshit. So um, I will probably not be watching. How, how do you feel about the Golden Globes? Um, just the most important, significant you know, event of the season. I mean, it's not. Um, And that's one of the things that I keep reminding myself about, um, particularly um, this year, but going like, yeah, this isn't really a thing we should be paying attention to. We all really give the Hollywood foreign film, the Hollywood foreign film press or Hollywood foreign press Press association. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Way too much like leverage or power. Um, even though it is a delightful telecast because people get drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like the best. This year, they won't. Yeah, yeah right? this year they won't. But the television nominations were just like all over the place this year. Um, I mean, some some of it I like. Like, as much as I don't really like Lovecraft Country and mm-hmm. like stopped watching it, but it and The Mandalorian getting nods, I think, is cool from a genre perspective. Um, but then also, like, Ratchet got nominated and i didn't watch it so i can't really say anything about its quality or anything but i kind of side eye that because most people i know who watched it did not enjoy it but then Um, jane levy got a nomination which i'm sure is exciting yeah and then you know the big thing being emily in paris got nominated and i just i think we all kind of collectively went wait what but also (laughs) they nominated the great yeah and Shit's Creek, and apparently the really great life-changing Ted Lasso, which mm-hmm. you and I have not watched because we don't have Apple. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it was a weird bag, and I don't understand how much money Netflix bribed them with to get Emily in Paris nominated for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a very strange set of nominees. And, and, and in g- generally, like, not getting nominated... For the Golden Globes, I, I think is not that big a deal. I think it, if you do get nominated, the, the, what I appreciate about what I appreciate about the Golden Globes is that they are the only award show that will actually go out of their way to embrace the types of roles that it get snubbed 
constantly by the by the Emmys and the Oscars. So this is where you're going to get your Carrie Russell for Felicity. This is where you're going to mm-hmm. get your Jennifer Garner for Alias and like, you know, and Piper uh, Caribou for Covered Ops. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez uh, for for mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin before the didn't she? She also got an Emmy, right? I think she got nominated. She got nominated. She won one. And and Tatiana Zlani, right? So, like, this is a show, these are the only, you know, awards, you know, contender kind of situations where the, you know, genre gets represented pretty consistently, at least if you weren't Game of Thrones. Um, And and where, uh, like, like, for example, you're going to get your Rachel Blooms, you're going to get your Jane Levy in a musical actually getting some recognition, which is great. Um, But when, like, when you don't nominate what is like, I just have to assume they didn't watch it. I just have to assume they didn't watch. I may destroy you. Cause I don't know how you watch. I may destroy you any part of it. And you don't nominate it and you don't nominate Michaela Cole. Um, it just, it, it hurts my brain. So, um, but Hey, maybe Ozark really is that amazing. Well, that's, that's actually the joke I was going to make is that they really didn't want to bring down the vibe uh-huh. of the whole party by nominating, I may destroy you. That's what Ozark's for. <laughs> just bring down the party vibe just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. This will be one that maybe I, I, I'd follow um, like on YouTube the next day with like sure. the bits that are funny or that people enjoy mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But um, yeah, it, that was very strange. Fortunately, the palette was cleansed pretty quickly after by the CW as, as, as Noel has written here in our notes, doing its normal thing and just renewing, pretty much everything and we say pretty much because uh, a couple shows got like an extended episode order for this season right but haven't been picked up for next season yet but the shows that we care about is that legends is picked up for another season which is amazing and i don't know how but yay batwoman is exciting uh obviously we wish there was more Black Lightning, but there's not more Black Lightning. Um, and then Flash and a bunch of other shows are nominated or are renewed as well. But um, right. the one that I think I can pretty safely say, praise Bebo, we're very excited that Legends is going to be back for a season seven. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I'm really hoping that the, like the Flash ends real soon, mm-hmm. and then Legends of Tomorrow just keeps going and, <laughs> and can like, become the longest running. And becomes like supernatural level long, so much so that they they have to travel back in time to when the Legends of Tomorrow TV series ends in its final season as a compliment to the oh very loose supernatural homage that they did last season. See, mm-hmm. I just really want that to that kind of meta meta esker plane thing, just Mobius strip of things to happen. Um, gosh, I hope it does. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is great. As you said, a couple of shows got extensions. So Lois and Clark, Lois and Clark, Superman and Lois. Yeah. Well, Lois and Clark um, is just objectively a better title. It's like, and, yeah, and, and it the is. only reason that this show doesn't have that title is because the other show already exists. So, yeah. yeah. Um, got like one or two episodes added onto it. And then I forget what the other show was, um, that hasn't premiered. That got one or two more episodes as well. Um, I think Walker got an extra episode, but it's, it was also renewed. Mm -hmm. I think that's how that worked out. I mean, what are you going to do? Not renew a Padalecki show? Come on. Yeah, no. We'd renew Supernatural, we can't. So Walker, you're in. And it is important to remember that the CW doesn't actually renew these shows because of the weirdness of the CW. Um, like the 
television studios that produce them is the one that renews them and the CW just goes, okay. Um, Because that's what they're there for. Um, So, but yeah, so Warner Brothers and CBS went, yeah, no, we're going to keep making all these shows. So you're going to keep airing them. And Mark Petowitz goes, great. Where's my check? (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's a good check. And I'm glad that we're going to get more Legends tomorrow. I cannot wait. I really hope this new season's really good. Yeah, fingers crossed for fun with the aliens. Um, on a, uh, of course, a much more somber note, uh, we have sad news about uh, some some losses to the entertainment world this week. Um, both Dustin Diamond and Hal Holbrook have died uh, in the past week. Dustin Diamond, uh, at age 44, from cancer, he had come, you know, gone into treatment pretty recently, but it just he was stage four and and it it went pretty quickly. And then Hal Holbrook, of course legend um died at 95 and um i mean i always immediately go to him playing mark twain on tng right everyone but like obviously is mark twain he's done many many other things i i feel felt bad when i kept seeing him like noted mark twain actor i'm like oh he is hell holbrook ladies and gentlemen No, 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 but that's his whole thing. Is like he did like staging. Oh, tours I know. Of, yeah, I understand okay. that, but I just it's, yeah. it's like like that is it's like and also all these other things. Yes, he he had that as a specialty, a thing that he was amazing at and really enjoyed doing. And you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying like yeah. he did things besides play Mark Twain. And you know, it's, it's like it's like when someday, hopefully, very far in the future. We we uh, we lose uh, you know like one of these actors who's played Doctor Who right the Doctor it's like it's get like oh it'll be like you know Christopher Eccleston you know famously Doctor Who and it'll be like also Shakespearean actor also all these other like so many other things and you know like, you know it's like it's not just <laughs> and that's that's when they're um that's when it's like on one of the longest running shows in television history and a like the lead role like that it in the in the sci-fi phenomenon like that's a whole other level of thing hell holbrook has done much 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 more and a much more varied range of work than only being a fantastic mark twain but i guess i understand that that's what yeah no it's 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 the iconic thing that he's known for um and so, no, I totally get it. And I mean, I think that would also be the thing that he'd want to be like tagged for as mm-hmm. opposed to guy who guested, guest starred on like 80 different shows across 70 years. Um, like you, that's that's a harder thing to balance in a headline. But yeah, no, Guy was just ridiculous. I was always excited when I saw him pop up and stuff. Uh, he was great on those two episodes of West Wing he did. Um, he's pretty much great in anything that he popped up in. So I was always really excited to see him. Uh, he just always immediately bought an immense amount of weight to anything that he did and took everything that he did. even if it was something kind of silly, really, really seriously. And that was always really, really impressive to me. Yeah. Now any, any Holbrook role that listeners might seek out, um, you know, to to try to you know celebrate and examine some of his work. If they're so moved, you will be pleased with. <laughs> you he will have done a good job. He's one of those yeah. people, one of those people. There's always like like sometimes it really comes down to casting. Is this the right role for them? And like they're doing their best, but like it doesn't quite. Never the case with Hal Holbrook. Always great. Mm-hmm. 
in everything yeah. we did. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 another another tough week for our you know these these really memorable um, and talk about longevity for his career as well. Like you know these these icons, uh, in his case, character acting icon, but still quite remains. Um, this week at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about a different Doctor Who which is uh, David Tennant, uh, who starred with uh, Michael Sheen in Staged. We're going to be talking about season one. This is the, like the, I guess it ended up airing on BBC and it's on Hulu now, but I just think of it as YouTube uh, show <laughs> set, set during the uh, pandemic um, with them playing themselves. And anyway, so that, that that's going to be coming at the end of the show. But for now, we will take a break, listen to some music and come back with our Week in TV. This week in TV, we're going to kick things off with WandaVision. We interrupt this program, and then we'll talk Batgirl magic over at Batwoman before we go to Superstore and the Trough, and then I'll have just a couple thoughts on Drag Race UK, who wore it best, before we round things out with Drag Race US and the Bag Ball. Um, Noel, did you watch Untucked? I did actually watch Untucked for the Bag okay. Ball this week. And we'll talk about that as well. I felt compelled to watch it because of all the drama. So I did watch Untucked this week. Yeah. Because listeners, this is one of the rare cases where if you don't watch Untucked, you're only getting half the story. And it's actually true. That's the tagline for Untucked for those who don't know, which is the after show for RuPaul's Drag Race. And stuff went down. We'll get to it. First up uh, is WandaVision. And listeners may be surprised. Oh, they're starting with WandaVision. They're not. Usually they end with WandaVision. And the reason we're starting with WandaVision is because we just want to scare away all of the listeners who aren't used to us right at the top. Uh, because this episode is We Interrupt This Program, excellently titled because it interrupts our uh, storyline that we've been following with Wanda and Vision as they, you know, decade hop through sitcoms and Americana um, and takes us, you know, outside the world into the MCU. Basically, the MCU shows up and that's what we're doing. So while it is lovely to spend some time with actors that, at least I, I mean, I feel like we both really enjoy, but definitely I'm a big fan of uh, Kat Dennings yeah. and uh, Randall Park takes center stage for this, but there's, you know, plenty of others. Um, it, it, I don't care <laughs> anywhere near as much. It's, it's so much less interesting. And, and, you know, I think also I, cause I'm a con- contrarian. Um, some of my opinion on this is likely shaped by the fact that Twitter lost its goddamn mind over this episode. Um, but this episode mostly just told us a bunch of stuff that we already kind of knew um, and did so in a really straightforward way. Um, now, it did so with quips 
And it did so by making uh, Darcy just, like, delightful, fun. I appreciate she's still rocking the same style, which has since come back around. And having her sit and just, like, pop some popcorn to watch the show. Like, fabulous. Super fun. Really enjoy it. But it did not blow my mind. And it took all of the most interesting and compelling things about this, the series, all the layers of meaning and, and like, interrogation of... Uh, pop culture and Wanda's state of mind and everything and just said, Hey guys, what if this, um, and, uh, what if instead we just lay out the plot line for you? It's great to have confirmed, right. That this is Monica uh, Rambo and not, uh, Geraldine, um, as, as everybody already knew, but, uh, and, and there's some good stuff there. Like the opening sequence is amazing. Yes. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But in general, it was just like, oh, that interesting show, that really specific, unique, distinct show. Uh, here's the action, the boring <laughs> action movie around it. Um, so it's fine. It's just definitely the least interesting episode of the season. And I've monologued for too long at this point. Uh, Noel, how did you feel about it? Uh, is it possible that I liked it less than you, or are we on the same page? We're pretty much on the same page. Um, yeah, I found this episode just ridiculously dull as well. My large problem with it is is that it just kind of spelled out everything, uh, which I just don't feel like was necessary, especially at like this point. And it doesn't spell out everything. There are still question marks floating around like Agnes, um, who is noticeably not on the big resident board of Westview. Um, and as is, um, Emma Caulfield's character wasn't on there either, but also I don't care (laughs) is the problem. Like the, everything around kind of the weird happenings over the previous three episodes of reality infringing upon this sitcom hopping world that either Wanda has created or that Wanda is trapped in. Again, the actual looming question of the show. All of it was very much like, yeah, no, I knew that was Randall Park on the radio because I recognized Randall Park's voice and also I knew he was in this. Um, and like, I knew Kat Dennings was going to be in this. And I they had made no attempt to hide the fact that Paris was playing Monica Rambeau. Like, it was, they were very upfront about it. And... A lot of that is me being very tapped into the development of this show. But a lot of it is also the show just kind of going, eh, eh. So I think for me, watching the show just kind of fill in blanks, which is really what this was. It wasn't so much answering questions or providing an emotional catharsis. It was just filling in blanks. And that's never interesting. There's no way to make that compelling. But no, why did you color in the picture of this thing? We didn't. Yeah, we had that moment as viewers that like yeah. that we already experienced. Like, okay. Yeah, and I think that part of it is just kind of the structure of the show works against this kind of an episode anyway. Um, because maybe if they had spent more, t- and I don't want this, I really want to emphasize that this would not be good for the show. But I think that the if we had been spending more time with S.W.O.R.D. up front and like, piecing out like some sort of weird like backwards to 
you may be wondering how I got here sort of deal and having it then kind of conflate, I think would have worked maybe to the show's benefit, but doing it all in one episode doesn't really do us or the show any favors. So I think it's just a very flat, dull affair that's elevated by some good performances from Paris, um, from Randall Park and from uh, Denning, Kat Dennings. But it's just kind of a not, it's just kind of a nothing burger of an episode otherwise. Um, since my other problem with it is, is that so much of what we get explained is easy enough to interpret by watching the first three episodes of, yeah, no, it's very obviously a radio transmission from the outside. Um, so I think that there's just, it just wasn't interesting. And that was really frustrating and tearing us away from Wanda and vision as things are really starting to ramp up, I think was also like structurally probably a breather, but this just felt like treading water. Um, but let's talk about a couple things that were good in the episode. I do want to talk about the opening sequence, which I think is the best thing in this episode. Yeah. But on just a purely geeky television special effects level, I love that the bubble surrounding Westview looks like what happens when you stare too close at an old cat CRTV set screen. And it just like is those little lines of color, which made me realize that that's what they've been doing with the closing title sequence is like reconfiguring the, that, that little light of staring too close at a television set. Um, so that I was just tickled by. Like I loved that touch of turning the force field or the alt reality pocket dimension, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter, um, <laughs> into a television screen, I thought was just really delightful. So tell me how you felt about that. Tell me how you felt about the opening and anything else maybe that kind of stood out to you. That was good. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the opening I thought was fantastic. And what a neat way to do that. It was very efficient. It really captured panic and like like if you lose 50 percent of the population of a city of like of new york for example and they all come back at once like like it's one thing to lose that number of people all at once and obviously then you have problems like what happens to the people who i guess they just reappear in the middle of the air if they were snapped out on a flight or something don't think about it but like you know, like but the having fights that, yeah. Well, and and because we we have seen with the snap people disappearing, and also like you know something like the leftovers, like oh, there are cars that are crashing, there's planes that are crashing, there's other things that impacts of all of a sudden somebody's not there. Um, but what if all of a sudden twice as many people are there than have you know like that? I thought that they really handled that panic really really well um and it was very efficient and like i said it was it was neat that it was on this show that they did that because that's the kind of thing that would be difficult to incorporate into one of the mcu films right in a way that really worked but in as just an episodic moment tied into a larger episode of a TV show, I think works really, really well. Right. Um, um, Spider-Man Far From Home does it, but they incorporate it for laughs when the marching band just appears in the middle of a basketball game. Um, yeah. Exactly. Or vice versa. Either way, go on. Whatever it is. Yeah. 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 So that was really effective. Again, the performances were really great. I, le- I thought that, you know, I mean, I totally buy that five years later, a nurse 
or, or a doctor like that would still remember mm-hmm. Hanukkah and have be able to like you know fill fill her in. I thought that that worked really well. Um, and like just a little tiny thing, but uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who didn't catch it. Um, I also really like the 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 perf- side note. I like the performance of the cops who are like, "There's no such thing as Westview." Yes, next to the map, like just like they nailed the delivery. It was very very. We good. come from Eastview. We're from Eastview. <laughs> Obviously, um, but the fact that uh, Wu has learned Scott's card trick, yes, is absolutely delightful. And I missed it when I watched it until people pointed it out later. I was like, "Oh, I love that! That's the kind of detail that is, you know, that's just they don't draw attention to it. It's just sort of in there, and that's that's how I want my Easter eggs." Um, so that, that, that I thought that was really cool. The you know they've already they had already established as far as I was concerned. Granted. We watched TV differently than other people do, but they had already established that Wanda was in control of things based yeah. on, you know, her re- rewinding time and uh, re- like changing visions, like answers to her concerns, you know, the last like rewriting his opinions and mine, mind in the previous one. Um, so that was not a surprise or a twist or anything, but um I think that if you're going to hold your audience's hand and not trust them to have made all these jumps, which is what this episode practically is. And maybe it's also geared towards like younger viewers or people who don't really watch TV shows in this way, who are more like movie people who aren't used to like picking up breadcrumbs. But the MCU is nothing but breadcrumbs is the thing. It's, it's, it's constructed on breadcrumbs of little Easter eggs. Um, that sometimes call attention to themselves. Like, the Jimmy knowing the card trick is a good Easter egg that doesn't call attention to itself. But all things about, like, yeah, no, the Tesseract, guys, it's just real weird. That, it's just a series of breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think if you're going to do that, they, this episode does that stuff well. It just, you know, it's just much less interesting than the yeah. other stuff we've been getting. I will say that if you're going to do this episode, I think this is the right part of the season. Do it. Yeah. I don't think you could do it earlier. And I think if you did it later, it would derail the momentum of what's coming next. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes next. I'm much more excited for the next episode, um, like to get this out of the way kind of and see what comes next. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mainly because I'm really curious to see if Wanda's control of things starts to really deteriorate. Um, because the other thing that we didn't mention that I thought was deeply effective was the vision corpse. Yeah. Was just very unsettling. And I did not care for that. I did not <laughs> care for that at all. <laughs> no, no. Very, very, yes. Very effective. Um, well, our next episode is Batwoman and Batgirl Magic, uh, which I think uh, very, you know, is also very effective in a couple things while continuing to show like the growing pains of mm-hmm. reworking the show for a new Batwoman. And and that's part of why I was excited to see that the show has been renewed for a season three, because I was one of the things where like you can see the pieces if they can like put it all together, they could absolutely effectively reboot the show with Javicia Leslie as the lead, but it may take a full season for us to get there kind of a thing. So I, I appreciate that they're, that the, the, you know, Warner brothers or whoever CBS is Warner brothers committed to the show and willing to give it some time. Um, but I liked, I, I liked, we got the wig, you know, I've been waiting for the wig. We get the wig. 
Um, we get like, I liked that there was some mention of like the shoes don't fit. And I continue to like what they're doing with uh, Mary and Luke and how they're responding to, to the disappearance of, of Kate. Uh, I don't think Kate is alive. So um, I think I was very surprised. You don't trust the woman who's leading like a not League of Assassins cult on an island? <laughs> I know, right? I know. What can I say? Um, but I think that I was I was very surprised when they did when they teased that just because I feel like it's a lot harder to undo. You know what I mean? So yes. I'm I'm actually rather intrigued by that writing not so much by the storyline but by that decision from a writer's perspective um so we'll see but i think it, it does work really well for the character i mean it makes complete sense the characters you know they don't know that ruby rose decided to leave the show right. <laughs> so like i think it really works for that stuff and i like the i think they are doing a good job with ryan and Mary really folding her into the team and the dynamic a lot more, giving her a cover at the at the bar. So there's a reason for them to use that set and keep yeah, that, like, that set that they clearly did not want to tear down. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and also she needs a job. And also, I, I like the little like, "You're a billionaire. Why do I not get paid more?" It was very good. So um, there was a lot of little things that I enjoyed, and you know, we'll see what happens next. What, what, what did you think about Batwoman? Yeah, I think this episode is fine. I think that, like you said, there's a stool. We're still in the retooling phase of everything. And I think that's fine. I think that this episode also makes that textual as well as as icky as it is watching Zaz go, yeah, that doesn't seem to fit. And talking on a metaphorical level to a queer black woman, what you're doing just doesn't seem to fit, um, which is a weird vibe to have this message delivered through yeah. for me anyway. Um, but I think that the ultimate point of the episode and the ultimate point behind that discourse was very good because it allows for us to actually start getting Ryan on her way to being her Batwoman. And so the wig and the slight redesign to the costume, I think are all really important steps to that on top of Luke finally kind of coming around to the idea of Kate's gone. I have to move on. Um, and accept that this other person is now going to be protecting the city and I'm going to be helping them. And so I really appreciate that. And I think that the show is doing a decent enough job of mining the weird tension of is Kate dead or alive, but also on a plot level, but also on a character level. Like the, that tension between Luke and Mary provides a really solid through line for both of them. And then having it become a plot motivator for the Crows, but also for Alice, I think all, does a really nice job of keeping their respective actions moving. So I think that I think that all is working, and I'm really curious to see how a lot of this gets to pay off. Um, I'm also intrigued by two additional things in this episode. The first is who the ultimate, like, actual big bad of the season is, because it may not be Sophia, which I'm... Yeah, I don't think it is. Which yeah. I'm which I'm okay with, because I don't, like I kind of alluded to, I don't love her, the whole Amazonian-esque um, League of Assassins vibe that they have going on. Um, especially now that they're on the same Earth as Ra- Ra- Rachel Ghoul and Talia and everyone. It just doesn't kind of make sense to me. Um, 
But so I'm curious about that. But I am also just I am dying to see what this show is going to do with Black Mask. Like, I'm very excited about that <laughs> with this whole false face um, organization and the whole I don't want to fight. I don't want to go after a guy in a black mask. You tell him about it. And she's like, oh, Sionis. Oh, you dear, sweet, psychotic boy. Perfect idea for this, like, version of this show um, and for this version of Gotham. Like, I like Black Mask okay, but really good choice for a counterbalance to Alice, I think. And it keeps in with the whole identity and mask type thing with Black Mask. I mean, you're not going to top Hugh McGregor's weird, queer-coded scenery-chewing performance in Birds of Prey, but that's fine. I don't, I don't expect that. But I'm excited about that character getting introduced into this world. Yeah. Well, and we'll see what happens next with it. But uh, I think they they needed some, they needed to shake things up. Um, and so I think what they do in this episode, especially around Alice, is an effective way to do that. Because that character was, yeah, unless you just focus on her and Mary, um, that was all, that was going to be, there's potential there, but, but it was going to be a little strained. This is a much more interesting thing to do. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what comes next. I, I'm really I'm ready for them to cut the crows. Entirely. Yeah, they need to go. I'm ready for them to yeah. be done. Um, yeah. But it's going to be really difficult for them to do that. It's too integral to the show's world for them to cut mm-hmm. the crows out. Um, because then you have to rebuild the whole Gotham Police Department. Yeah. Which I just, I don't know how that would go. And then I don't know what you do with the rest of that cast. But yeah. 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 We'll see. Um, next up is Superstore and the Trough. Uh, I just, you know, my first note is Father Bra, which I always appreciate when that actor shows up. Um, and the, 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 just the back and forth between um, him and the, that character, I should say, up at corporate and uh, Dina was terrific. Uh, I also noted that, you know, they're there at the beginning, but by the end of the episode, apparently we're not doing distancing anymore and we're not doing masks. And that really bothers me. Yeah. Um, especially some, especially like when, when Kelly comes in and she is not around these people all the time. Why is she not wearing a mask? Um, so, yeah, I, that really bothered me. I did uh, very much enjoy Garen Dina bonding over Dina's complete uselessness with technology. I need you to hack me in. Hack me into, you know, I, I hacked myself out of the, back to the home screen. Um, hilarious. And her lack of understanding of basic abbreviations. Um, so there's a lot of fun there. Uh, I continue to enjoy their occasional OTP-ness. I think they've mostly handled that pretty well. But we'll see. And yeah, uh, <laughs> Cheyenne still hasn't gotten her raise. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Um, but also Carol's just the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the worst. Um, I agree with you on the mask thing. And I'm really kind of struggling with it on this show in particular because they've acknowledged it. And I agree with you. Kelly coming there was a very weird pandemic sort of thing. And I get get it from like her perspective of I need the money. But because she really wants to get that Roomba and who can blame her. But I think that it's just really kind of frustrating to watch the show be like, there's a pandemic. But also, you can feel it chafing at the chafing at needing to do these things every now and then, um, which is also just one of those weird stark reminders of like when I watch like the Unicorn or Mom, and it's like there is no pandemic in Bossing Say, uh, 
Yep. And it's like, this is just weird. Why are you people hugging so much? Stop it. Stop eating out. Why are you in their restaurant? Um, so I appreciate that Superstore is still doing that, but you can feel them being like, we can't keep doing this, guys. We, we can't. Or they're getting notes about it from someone. Somebody. Because they perfectly easily could. Like, yeah. there, there was no trouble with them being in mass. You could still hear everything they were saying yep. before. You could still, you know, I mean, and it's not even for me, it's less about the safety of the, the, the cast and the crew of Superstore, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously, I think, should be the, the primary concern. Yes. But I also assume that there is like constant testing happening on the set, but yeah. who knows? But they've established the world of these characters, mm-hmm. and they're not holding to that. And that is what is most frustrating, because even in the course of this episode, it fluctuates dramatically, mm-hmm. and that doesn't make sense. Yeah, so. so there needs to be some consistency. That being said, I am excited to watch the episode in which Jonah tries to move during a pandemic, because I yeah. know people are doing it. And I understand, but I really want to watch Jonah try to navigate that. And I think that the emotional catharsis that Jonah experiences in this episode is really good. Um, Because why are you living there still with Marcus? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Poor Marcus. Well, but also like when he's like, yeah, I just didn't feel like, you know, dealing with the move right now. And of course, my brain immediately goes to like in the emotional, uh, uh, you know, aftermath of this. And I was like, wait, no. Just duplicate. No, it's because it's a pandemic. And it's like, oh, yeah, that make yeah, I wouldn't either. Like, there's, like, especially because I can't imagine Amy is looking forward to selling a house right now. Right. You know? Like, so why not, you know, just make sure that Jonah's keeping up the house, watering the plants, and, like, I guess covering the taxes or whatever other, like, fees. You know, that why would that be a problem? Um, So... I guess that means that maybe depending on the ownership of the house between her and her ex mm-hmm. and stuff, like, I don't know. It just seems like it, 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 it's not surprising to me that she's still, he's still living in the house. And I don't think it's an issue outside of his emotional connection to it. So now that he's not like, he needs a break makes sense for him to move. But like before then, I think it makes complete sense to, for him to still be living there, even though she's not there. But yeah. it was, it was a, it was a good series of, and like Mateo being like, Oh no, we're, I'm on this. I got this. <laughs> like hilarious and appropriate and very in character while also not being a bad thing for Jonah. But that's obviously a side benefit as opposed to the instigating factor. Uh, did you, what did you think of the garden bean stuff? Yeah, no, I liked it. I the technology stuff that you said I thought was pr- was very funny. Um but yeah, them finding the trough. Um my partner immediately called it as it's just one of the hidden catacombs in the store again. Uh which I like that as a callback. I thought it was really great. Um and I like them re-exploring that tension between Dina and Garrett. So I thought it I thought it worked really well. Um I do feel a little bad for Justine though, just a little bit, like a little bad for Justine. I don't what think she deserved to that. Tell her mom. Yeah, in two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I felt a little bad for Justine, but I also think it's completely in character for them to not worry. About yes, it. no, it is completely in character. No. <laughs> um, well, that I, I don't have anything else on that other than I look forward to you know I like that they reestablish that she is still dating Brian, who I assume is the vet, right? Yes. Um, 
Uh, so, so we'll see what happens with that. But for now, I'm enjoying it. Um, our last episodes here are Drag Race. Uh, I'll talk briefly about Drag Race UK, but then we'll go to Drag Race. Um, they did uh, the, so both of these episodes were design episodes. And um, entertainingly enough, Michelle Visage wore the same dress on both of them. And they filmed them completely different times and did not know they would be coordinated, I'm sure. So I'm sure she nice. loved that uh, so much. But um, on Drag Race UK, what I thought was interesting, they got paired up. And then they had to pick a, like a box of fabric that was like a color. And so the, and then each person on the team got the same materials and they had the same amount of time to make something. And then it's like, who of the two, who wore it best, who wore the, these materials best and made the best outfit. And then the people who won were all up for, for the win and the people who lost were all up for elimination. So I think that is, is a much kinder way to do the uh, fabrication challenge because, or the design challenge, because they straight up gave them material. It was like, you know, yards of fabric as opposed to, you know, what we're going to get to in the bag ball. Um, and it, but it was funny because Tia Coffee was, was one of the, by the way, by the way, what a great drag name. Tia Coffee um, uh, is. Uh, that is a, very good. Yeah. was like, uh, I mean, I've been practicing on, on bin liners. I can make the hell out of a bin liner dress. I did not practice on fabric. <laughs> um, so, so I thought that was interesting. Again, another elimination people were surprised by. Um, I was not that surprised by just on a narrative level, but on a, on a, I would I have expected this queen to be out by episode three? No, um, but it's a good it's a good group of queens. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm still digging UK. Uh, over on regular flavor, original recipe, Drag Race, we had the bag ball, and you love a design challenge. Yes. So first thoughts on our. I mean, this for me, I get this an A over the AV Club. I thought this was a terrific episode. I thought it had like everything that you want from a good Drag Race episode. Um, especially when you fold in untucked. But I want to know your thoughts on first the stuff with the mini challenge with the babies. And mm-hmm. then we had our like emotional stuff around Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives. Uh, I guess Trans Lives Matter. I don't know if there's a the you know, movement name in the same way, but just the awareness around the violence against trans people in this country, specifically trans women, specifically trans women of color. Um, and some of that stuff we got, uh, we also got our Lala Ree stuff. We also got our uh, Lala Ree and um, Tamisha explainer. And we also got a little mini uh, ball from Tamisha. And mm-hmm. then there's all the design. So first all that stuff, and then we'll go to the design. What do you think? Okay. So the, you're going to have to remind me of the order. Cause I kind of okay. lost babies. Track. Cause babies. Right. I mean, it was entertaining, but also very deeply stupid. Um, and I, I think that the, great. <laughs> I think some of the contestants realized that it was pointless and stupid and just didn't do anything. Um, including Lala, whose look was very bare bones baby, but was deeply entertaining, which is why Lala won. So I think it's, it was fine. It was entertaining, but it was really stupid and i don't understand why it was there um i i i just i'm increasingly wondering why we do mini challenges anymore because they don't seem to impact anything they're there to be dumb they're there to show that very different very silly and ridiculous side of drag and i think if you didn't have them like an episode like this i think is even though it's overpacked yeah it's there's too much in this episode but yeah because otherwise it's too easy for it to be very self-serious and, and if you have, when you have like these really earnest discussions about Black Lives Matter, for example, and you have 
like some insane fashion design, high level art happening. I think it's important that you also also drag is people <laughs> like twerking babies. It's also that too. So I I get that it's not your thing, but I still yeah. like it. Yeah. No, like it's very funny, and my partner and I both laughed a ton during it. But after it was done, I just went, "Wait, why did that matter?" <laughs> And that's just a reality competition show thing as well. I know that, like, totally and structurally it provides a little bit of relief, but I'm like, this didn't give anyone an advantage, and that's weird. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you get an advantage when you win one of these. You get to assign groups and stuff. So this one was just a, here you go. Let's do this. Um, so what was the next thing? The next thing was your, you know, your dealer's choice. Either the, um, the Tamisha and Lala stuff, the mm, ball... Okay. Or Black Lives Matter and trans awareness. Okay. So yeah, the Tamisha and Lala stuff was fine. Like I I was glad for that little bit of explainer. Um, I didn't, I just kind of assumed that they knew each other since they were both out of Atlanta. Um, but I think a little bit more explanation was helpful in terms of contextualizing things. And I thought that it also did a really nice way of providing, a, even though it it's ultimately not connected to it i think that the way of providing that as a i was one of the first people to put lala into drag to doing a quick here's what a ball is type of thing is a really good kind of through line and i think that the show at least this season and potentially because of tamisha um is paying a little bit more attention to history at least in and contextualizing more than it has in the past um which i appreciate um, I think that's always really good to have, even if, again, I still ding the judges for being like, why don't you know this Betty Davis reference from 1949? Mm-hmm. Um, I think providing a more immediate sort of history, cultural history, especially when it's very centered within the U.S., I think is helpful. So watching them do like a proper ball ball, not a RuPaul ball, but a proper ball ball, I thought was really, really good. And I really enjoyed it. And it was probably one of my favorite things in the entire episode. Um, apart from some of those really great, just killer runaway looks um, that we got. But it was just really fun to watch them do like a quick, non-dragged up ball just to give you that sense of, this is what it's like when we're not even trying. And I really, I really enjoyed that. So I thought that was great. Um, I think that the thing with the Black Lives Matter is also really, really great as well. Um, as entertaining as the ball thing was, and as much as I loved it, this was also just really important to provide a really great statement forward for that. Um, so I really liked that and I really like how it got folded in. And the thing that I really, really appreciate about it structurally is that they only had to make one look. So there was time for this kind of stuff to happen. As opposed to, all right, we've got to not move <laughs> because we have to make we have to make more than one look. Um, even though some of those looks look like they took just days to make, um, but did it in the spirits did it all in one day. Um, <laughs> so I really liked it, and I liked that there was this conversation. I think it's also like a good pushback against um, my understanding is, is that there's not a sometimes the best relationship between the RuPaul fandom and its black contestants. So lots of racism. Yes. Yeah. Lots of violent, virulent racism in the drag race online community, at least. And I mean, it's hard to have a sense of what it is in the 
proportions of the entire fandom. Right, exactly. the racist assholes uh, are loud and numerous enough that it's a real, real issue. So I like that the show kind of putting that front and center as a result. Ditto with um, Got Mick. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly Mick's um, bag look. Like, bag design look. Um, RuPaul's hasn't been the best about um, having trans contestants on. um, And I think Mix providing an avenue for RuPaul to do some image rehabilitation and for the show to do some image rehabilitation on this as well. Um, so regardless of how far Mick gets in this competition, they owe Mick a great deal. <laughs> um, especially given how just banger Mick's looks were in this episode, uh, which I think kind of leads us into the runway a little bit because Holy cow, her money look is money, right? right? It's amazing. And apparently it's even better in person because uh, Nicole Byer, of course, was the judge again. Gosh, and she's so got good. a Drag Race podcast that she she's not on every episode, but she's on most, which is the mm-hmm. episode is, uh, the show is Drag Her. And so she uh, like reached out. She like was talking with the, her co-host. She wasn't on the Drag Her for this episode, but she talked with her co-host about it. And, and apparently the mix uh last two looks were like even better in person and specifically like because i was like eh, about the third look yeah. but um the judges love it and that's appar- because apparently it was even like way it like looked even better much better on in person and the same thing with the money bags looked i'm like it looked amazing it looked just like impeccable for, on tv and apparently yeah. like the whole thing was chris like swarovski's like the black and the silver right through the whole thing so like the way it moved and like it was apparently was even better um in person so yeah i mean damn. yeah no it's just ridiculous yeah. um and yeah no i don't disagree with you about the final look which i still really like in this kind of post-apocalyptic bag sort of look and so i really really like it um but it's that money look and it's also one of the other reasons stands out for me in addition to just looking amazing is that it's the only money look for me that said money as Mm -hmm. opposed to business class economy yeah Um, like executive realness and you know i saw some people um theorizing that they didn't tell them money bags as the like and what to prep but they told them like executive realness and so that's why they brought that and then then they reveal because that way they're not telling them what the bag like the Mm -hmm. bags are the what they're gonna have to do so they can't like prep ahead of time Mm -hmm. um and that that when when someone i saw some people talking about that i was like oh yeah that makes more sense why that tracks that explains a lot yeah that would explain a lot that that that's theorizing, but like that would make sense. That no, that totally makes sense to me because both of my partner and I were while we were watching, especially in the second runway, um, look, we're just like, none of this says money. Yeah, where's the opulence? Yeah, exactly. Where's the opulence? And there wasn't any except for mixed all the way, um, and then there were a couple of others, and I can't remember whose that really were like, yeah, mm-hmm. we got the mem- we got the brief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And then just, I mean, the top three for this were just ridiculous, quite honestly. Um, I really liked Rosé's, uh, how Rosé cut those ball purses in half and made this weird, a much better version of a riff on an Austin Powers, uh, gyrobot mm-hmm. than what Candy did 
in like the third episode. Like this is a much better version callback to that kind of aesthetic while also doing something completely off the wall and different with it. Well, um, and the finishing on them was right, exactly. You know, like yeah. on each, she cut them in half, but then she glued in the seams and and fit and hemmed them so that they would be low. And and the hair was also great. The hair was amazing. Like it was a terrific, terrific wig and perfect for that look. And then, I mean, I just what the fuck, Utica? Like I, I don't, I don't understand. Like also, Utica. The train for days challenge was last week. <laughs> but I don't care because it was better here, right? Yes, like, no, exactly. It was so much better here. But no, that entire, that entire, all of Utica's looks I thought were really, really good in this episode. But that sleeping bag thing was just redonkulous. And I loved it. Um, it's like, quite possibly so much, so- the best design challenge garment mm-hmm. in the run of the show. Like, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She made that like, in eight to ten hours. Like, yeah, wow, yeah. And mix is like very conceptual, but that is like a weird sense of high fashion camp. With mm-hmm. that, what Utica does with those sleeping bags and with those alternating patterns, and that just that ridiculous cowl. I can't the get over placement that cowl. of the zippers. You know, like yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just so much. Um, so I'm really curious to see how Utica's gonna. If Utica is going to incorporate the feedback that she gets here about you need to tone back the vamping because it it fits, but also it doesn't fit, right? There are like, times it when it fits, but she goes yeah. to that, like she defaults to that for everything. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. She didn't with her last look. But no, her second she did not. Look, she played that really straight. She didn't need to, to go bigger. If she had just like killed that yeah. second runway, I think she maybe takes the win. Yeah, I agree. And I really liked her second runway look, too. Like, it came closer to money than some of the other ones did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited about the show going forward, especially with the three queens that I just mentioned with Gottneck, Utica, and Rosé. Um, even though, like, I'm always a little iffy on Rosé in terms of, like, the runway stuff, but, I mean, just so good this week. Um, and I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to stop. What do you have to add? Let's hear some other stuff. I know we still need to talk about Untucked, but you can tell me about how you felt about Untucked while I take a quick break. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, Well, I mean, there's some other things we have to talk about. First of all, I thought the creativity for the first set of challenge, for the first category was fantastic and super fun. Like just the range, like airbag and... Uh, yes. And- and like I really, because I really liked Molly's look there. And uh, I did the, too. I didn't think it got enough credit. Brown bagging it, I wouldn't have thought of that. I thought that was clever and fun. That old bag, which the look was not what it needed to be, but the performance was excellent. Like the range that we got in that category was really, really fun to me. And of course, the most entertaining thing, <laughs> she was eliminated. But had she made it to this this week, you know what Kamora's look was? Mm. Douchebag. Black oh. look, sleek with a with a mm-hmm. blue plume feather for to be the squirt of water, right? Like nice. Like, that would have been great. It would have like imp- just impeccable. Like that you can see the pictures up on on Facebook, uh, or a knife. Sorry, on Insta. Um, and so just like oh man, the fantastic. I was really impressed by the overall level, even if I didn't love all of the looks. Um, Joey's looks I thought were good, but like compared to this other stuff. Eh. Yeah. No, no. Um, and uh, I felt that the second, the middle category was the least. I felt, I, mean, I felt so bad for Rose have, having to follow Mick 
in a different black and white kind of look. Yeah. And and then also wasn't Tina like right after and she looked amazing in the Houndstooth as well. Mm. Oh, like, the was... Houndstooth was really good, yeah. That was that was Tina's best look for this week too, because that the bag look was not good. Yeah. Um and, and some of them did did struggle in that last category. But I think like even even the people like even Joey's right last look compared to some of the other last looks that have like the other like um design challenge looks like think about like sakura rock'em sakura like great and all but like think about joey's look compared to that one right like much that that's an actual garment it might not it might have its issues design like shape wise and all these things but like you know like michelle michelle says she's seen worse um which takes us to one of the best parts about this episode because it gives in so many areas and it also gives by delivering again arguably the worst look in drag race history with lalas like travesty of, of I don't a, know what and why would she just give up like I don't understand I have so many questions and in like and because because she absolutely serves it down that runway the face is impeccable the the, yes. the purse as the wig on the head. I, she's like, I just want people to look. And, and that acknowledgement of, yeah, neck down is a shit show. So I'm putting a bag on my head because I want to keep the eyes up here. <laughs> right? <laughs> like that, that self-awareness is terrific. And, and the fact that she's went out there and sold it <laughs> the best of her possible ability to the best of her ability. Um, and then came back and crushed that lip sync. Um, and didn't get eliminated for the, like, one of the worst looks ever, makes it, you can really enjoy just <laughs> how terrible that look is. It, it's like, it adds an extra level of enjoyment to this episode because they take a risk and um, it doesn't even make sense, but they're super enjoyable as they do it and super relatable as they do it and then are able to, fight their way through to live to see another day to like redeem themselves right so it makes for a good narrative i i, I mean what did you think of lala's look <laughs> i mean it was i agree with you that watching it basically fall apart during the lip sync <laughs> it really looked better as it fell apart <laughs> yeah so yeah no it's it's just it's definitely not something you expected especially at this point in like the show's run for a contestant to be like uh, 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 I'm just gonna hot glue some bags to uh, Leotard and hope no one notices, except everyone's going to notice. Um, like everyone. And then you've got like Nicole Byer just being like, bitch, why didn't you just cut it open and like spread out the things a bit more? Like, there were options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just have to assume that like, they Lala just didn't like manage time well and just well, and kind of she started out sewing too, right? Yeah. Started out sewing a couple so this was already like Nicole was like, you have to have a plan B. This was already was plan B. Yeah. And and you can see at a certain point Lala just like tunnel visions and continues going when you needed to be able to step back and reassess. Um Yeah. But yeah, no, it's just <laughs> Yeah. Roof. It was rough. Yeah. It's rough. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was not good. Um, but, but that lip sync was good. The lip sync was good. I don't think that there was anything really surprising about it because Lala knew that she needed to just kill it, and she does. Like Joey uh, just cannot stand up to it. 
Yeah, Joey um, does a good job, but yeah. like every time Joey would do something, Lala would be like, and. <laughs> yes, yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> Always went for the yes, and. That's a really great way of describing it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm I'm glad, but Lala is on the thinnest of ice um, after this. So it's going to be like, you need to do more. <laughs> Very quickly. Yeah. Because there's at least two queens here who are already like, this is mine. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Well, th- we've already run too long on this, but quick thoughts mm-hmm. on Untucked. I mean, this doesn't do anything to, like, make me like candy more. Um, it just makes it worse. Candy does not come off well. Yeah, no. I And I... I also don't think Tamisha comes off well. I think there's a lot of, like, lashing out of being like, I'm in the bottom. How am I in the bottom? And I'm just going to take this out. Um, But I think that there's also just a lot of ginning of things up in Untucked that made me really kind of frustrated. It was just like, all right, everyone, why don't we just, like, do... Since we didn't get critiques, why don't we do some critiques here? Which I think is... Maybe a constructive idea, except for the fact that Candy doesn't see that as critiquing the looks. <laughs> Which is clearly what's intended. Right. And immediately goes in on Elliot. And it's just like, all of this is just too much. And just everyone needs to take a step back and breathe and not get attacked by bees. <laughs> well, and I think it's also very likely that there was other stuff that did, just got cut. And they cut from yeah. Olivia saying, why don't we... You know, yes. There are critiques that we could do for, and then like it probably started out with more of that stuff, and then at some point, but it feels like it's a very immediate thing of like, oh, oh yeah, they they cut out all that context if yeah. it, if it exists, and went immediately to the personal attack of your like your energy and your who you are as a person, even outside of drag, not the discussion of the looks, which is clearly what was intended. Yeah. So, and yeah, so I don't think Candy or Tamisha come off particularly well in this. Um, and I think that a lot of it, again, was just Tamisha, I think, is especially is expecting to be doing better um, than she sort of is. Like, I I don't think that, like, her money look needed to be as dismissed as it was, but that bag look was over overdone. Like, it needed to be, it needed to be edited. And I think that was a legitimate note. Um, and also, yeah, no, her makeup was weirdly not... Right. Um, so I think all of that watching watching that was probably really, really frustrating. Um, but I was just like, I, this is this is part of the reason I don't watch Untucked. is <laughs> because I find it really stressful sometimes. Um, and I found this very stressful. Um, even if it was delicious also to watch. But I was also, shouldn't some of you have been like practicing for this lip sync and warmed up yeah, for this? No, no one. Joey. Also, like- is there like... No booze this season? Have they not been drinking anything? Yeah, there's no booze because of open container laws. Uh, or not laws, but okay. like guidelines around COVID, right? Of making okay. sure that... So that if you see they, like, they're like they like opening individual like cans and stuff. Cans of... Food. Yeah, the yeah. sparkling water stuff. Okay. Yeah, so that you don't have like uh, like beverages and things sitting open to the air. Uh, so yes, that's mm. why they don't have cocktails. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. Um, but yeah, now, now you are a better person than me. Uh, because I was immediately hashtag team Tamisha. Um, and I say that while also- Well, I uh, don't being... disagree with Tamisha. I'm just saying Tamisha could have moderated 
things. No, she couldn't. <laughs> no, she couldn't. That's no. not Tamisha. Don't you remember from no. last episode? I know Lola Reed. I'm like, I know Tamisha from Atlanta, and she likes to fight. Yes. No, she does like to fight. I have a lot of time for queens on the show and, and on Untucked who won't necessarily start a fight, but if you if like if you engage with them, they will not back down and they will not apologize for themselves and they will stand by what they said. Um, and I think an example of that is the Vixen who I thought was like consistently in the right yes. throughout yes. like that, that season of Untucked um, and with the various fights and things that were happening, I was a hundred percent with the Vixen and here I'm absolutely completely with Tamisha. And I think, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to know how much is editing and how much is reality, obviously. Right. Yeah, um, no, there, that's that's the thing with this. Particularly with Candy. With, with Candy, right? Because I, yeah. I don't have any time or patience for someone who uh, can di- dish it out but can't take it. And Tamisha mm-hmm. dishes it out, but she can take it. Yeah. And Candy's like, that was rude. She's like, yeah, it was. It was rude. Uh, uh, you know, whereas Candy is critiquing and... Uh, pushing an on uh, and really, you know, giving a hard time to Elliot. And then someone else says the same thing to her and she can't, she responds right. very, very negatively. Um, and I say that I, Elliot also doesn't, you know, like one of the most triggering things you can say is to, to, as far as I'm concerned is calm down. Like, you know, it's like, don't tell, don't tell me to calm down. <laughs> don't tell anyone ever to calm down in that tone. Like it's not, it's not a good look. Um, but I, 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 you know, and I say this, obviously in case I need to say this, I don't, I hope I don't say this to our listeners. Don't go harass Candy. Don't go har- harass these queens online. Like this is a moment on a day when they reacted in a way to, that made some excellent TV for the genre that this is going for. Um, and the fact that apparently Candy's mom has been getting harassed online, not not just Candy, but Candy's mom, somebody that found, looked her up, found her phone number and has been calling. That's not acceptable. That's not okay. Yeah. Like th- that's the kind of stuff that these queens have to deal with. Like if they come off the wrong way to a certain portion of the fan base, uh, you know, and these things. So like that is completely unacceptable um, just because. I don't like this version of Candy that we see in this episode, right? Th- that does not mean that that's who Candy is. And I'm very, like, this is a TV show. So at some level, it's a, this is all very heightened experience that they're going through. And uh, also, they're all professionals. They know what they signed up for doing this show. Uh, meaning that, like, like, you don't need to rush to Tamisha's defense. She's got it. She's got yeah. it. Um, so, so I, you know, like I say hashtag t- team Tamisha and like candy does not come off well. And I, you know, all these different things, I'm already kind of over candy, um, though she's very talented, uh, or he's actually, he's very, very talented at what he does. Um, but that's on with the understanding that these Queens, like they should not <laughs> just cause you don't like their, on their like reality TV persona. Right. Doesn't mean that they should be treated with anything other than the respect you should treat any other person in, that you actually knew in, in real life. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a wild episode. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Yeah. It was. Do you want to know what the next episode is on? In a second. I just also want to quickly mention in yeah. 
regards to all the candy stuff, I did sort of appreciate the edit that they gave candy when Rue got milk or having this very serious discussion. And then Rue asks for candy's opinion on what they're talking about. And candy's like, wait, what? I did not follow any of the things that you were saying. And like, people yeah, are like, why is Rue laughing so much? Like, because Candy, like, like all this interstellar saboteur stuff that Rue loves and goes to that well every single season many yep. times. It's like... Yep. Without fail. Buy a myself help book, right? You know, all this stuff. And Candy's like, yes, definitely that. Very much, very much so. <laughs> like, it's, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's wonderful. It's just... Because it, it immediately pops that self-important balloon, right? That like, Yes. That was another thing I really loved about this episode is like, you know, Rue starts to get on that whole like interceptor thread and Candy's like, yes, that that thing with the I understand the discussion of the inner self that you are having very much that. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> uh, so, no, tell me about uh, what the uh, this week's episode is as we listen, um, as we record, as we record. Uh, it is discomentary. It is a dance challenge with with the queens being paired off. And it's not an actual documentary. It's like a live performance, but with like sure. narration, like kind of spliced in and some like clips and stuff. So it's, it's a, there's a history. It's a history of disco and 70s fashions and all of that. And uh, I'm it's fine. It's not nearly as good. I, they, I, I love disco and I, yeah. I really appreciate the critical awareness that's coming and respect for the genre of disco that has seemed to have been bubbling up in the past, you know, years, recent, in recent history um, as an unapologetically queer and, and uh, you know, fueled by black artists and Latinx artists. And, and also like just really fucking good. Like, great. Disco's good. Yeah. This was great. And like, and like this examination of like the whole disco sex thing and how much of that was a, pushback uh, was a pushback from white supremacists and from people who are looking to attack anyone who is queer or just not uh, doesn't identify as like uh, cis and heteronormative and all of this stuff, like and all it was like this censorship and not just like we don't like the music guys but actually much more complicated and nuanced situation than that um so i i i love that they you know they they, they hold <laughs> these queens hands through some history of disco that they do not know. Um, but I, I, you know, I wanted more from the performances. I'm going to watch it again before I write up my thing for the AV club. And hopefully it'll like, hopefully I missed stuff the first time. Cause I was, I, I was expecting, expecting better. So I would say, we'll see. I look forward to your thoughts on it and listeners. Hopefully you enjoy it more than I did, but I, I had high hopes for a disco dance challenge. And I was, you know, not nearly as impressed as I was with the bag ball. I was very impressed with the Bible. Noted. Noted. Uh, so um, I don't have anything else. So, Kate, one, what won your week in TV? Uh, Bagwell. Drag Race. What won yeah. your week in TV? Yeah. I think I've got to give it to Bagball as well. Um, though I did enjoy some of the bits on Amber Ruffin this week, particularly their alternate reality where certain <laughs> people won the presidency, um, including Cory Booker. We don't know how. <laughs> You're su- I'm as surprised as you are. Um, so yeah, no, but yeah, no, it was, it was Drag Race this week. Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back to talk about Staged Season 1. I mean, I'd jack it in, teach him a craft instead, get him up a chimney, 
pickpocketing. Like in Oliver Twist, you can send them out across London and back they come, their little withered arms are full of plunder. I bring home some neckerchiefs and wristwatches. <laughs> I sold my legs, Father. Can I have a little morsel? It's not a bad idea. Just planting seeds. It is in stark contravention of social distancing laws. Oh, well, I assumed if you were okay with your kids robbing total strangers, you'd be fine with them ignoring the two meters. Ethically, it's a grey area, I'd say. You'd be a good fan. Hmm. You'd be a good Nancy. Thank you. That was the trailer. Uh, well, it's not really a full trailer. It's more of a scene from season one of Staged, which is uh, a very much like a shot at home kind of project that uh, uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen, or Michael Sheen, Michael Christopher Sheen, <laughs> and David John Tennant, um, unless he goes or with John his, McDonald or John McDonald, like if he goes with his birth name of David McDonald, uh, um, filmed during quarantine with uh, you know a handful of other actors, and um, it was it's just it's about the actors trying to deciding to put on continue rehearsals for a play they were supposed to do that got canceled because of COVID stuff, um, so that way they're ready to go as soon as the restrictions lift. They can hit the ground running and go right into the show rather than, and mostly they just need, they need a project. Can we identify with needing a project during quarantine? I don't know. No. What do you think? Listeners, I, um, like during the first episode of this, I texted Kate and went, we should have done this for streaming in place. It would have made much more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Streaming in place, heading into week 47 next week. Oh God. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, so I had kind of heard about this, but hadn't really sought it out. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I was very charmed by it. I didn't really know what to expect. I enjoyed the actors, but um, it just felt very navel gazy. And I don't know if I'm, I didn't know that I was going to be all that interested in it. Um, but I thought it was actually really charming and very fun. And I thought they did a good balance of like kind of things that feel like riffing at least whether they are they are or not but then also enough like reality (laughs) like seeping in through the corners and enough like you know like the stuff with the neighbor like this some of these other you know other things pushing in uh that kept it i think totally pretty balanced um and definitely excellent quarantine viewing i think um what what did you think of stage how much did you know before you started watching it and what did you think? I had heard about Staged, but then it just like immediately flew under my radar. Um, this originally aired on BBC One in the summer and then Hulu grabbed it at some point. I don't remember when Hulu picked it up, um, but I do wish we had kind of watched it because I feel like it probably would have ended up on my top 20 because I did really, really enjoy this. Um and I do think that it is one of the better executed sort of pandemic shows, especially like within the video conferencing realm of things. And I, yeah, like you, I was really charmed by it. I found the the, the comedy really, really funny. And I also found like the drama stuff really, really affecting uh, regarding uh, Sheen's neighbor in particular. And I think that there's just, like you said, a really solid tonal balance of things on top of the fact that, yeah, some of it's riffing, but a lot of it is also very clearly scripted because there's so many long journeys for punchlines that the show does and does well that I am just delighted by how tightly written it is, but also really how well edited and staged 
it is um in terms of what they do with the video conferencing how they move screens around even though i'm also like they keep breaking the 180 um they keep breaking the 180 degree rule and it's like they can't but the screens are on different sides now it's the same thing um Mm -hmm. it's not the same thing it's just weird it just always threw me when they switch sides anyway yeah no so i really liked this and i'm eager to kind of dig into it with you um and see what you also kind of felt about it um because yeah no i thought this was really charming and it's the first season at least is a hard recommend for me um go seek this out it's six episodes of like barely 20 minutes sometimes um so this is a hard recommend for me for sure yeah like the the balance between tenant and sheen is really good mm-hmm. and, and of their just their different their different personas that they adopt and right. like i you know i had seen some of the different clips i think it's also structured well with the running gags throughout the the writing mm-hmm. is good you know yeah. And I, it just works out great for them that uh, Tennant is married to an actor and Sheen is dating an actor. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. that works out awesome. Um, so that they can have their significant others play their significant others. And it gives at least a little bit more uh, range and some other things that they can play with. Um, yeah. The... I thought it was interesting that you mostly... Just, you get you do, I think, get a pretty equal balance of how they're all doing in, you know, quarantine, what they're, what they're feeling and what they're dealing with. But um, I thought it was interesting that you get this like really almost manic kind of energy from Tenet and you get, uh, like, I guess it was, you look kind of wild, right. Uh, As a descriptor for Sheen, which is such a fun way to play into that. And I'm sure that there's a bunch of like Scottish and Welsh stuff that I don't know right absolutely same yeah playing into it but uh yeah it was really it was really fun and it's such an easy watch because it's six episodes like you said like 20 ish minutes um some a little longer some a little shorter but um they keep it moving enough i do are you familiar with the play i'm not familiar with the play with six characters in search of author yes, yes. i am familiar with the play so i'm does that add extra stuff as well not like a lot. Um, you see very much why they kind of like why Tenet especially would want to do this. Um, it's a very, it's a very, it's very much an actor's play, um, I think. And so I think that that I do have questions about the other actor who was supposed to be in it, <laughs> which we being can't say. In it. Because um, uh, it's just too great of a surprise. But yeah, yeah. no, I don't want to like get into that, but. I don't think that would have worked. No, but, but it's hilarious in this country. But it's hilarious to think about all the same. And then also the punchline of Sheen meeting that actor and that actor forgetting that they'd made a movie together <laughs> 10 years you ago. You were really good. <laughs> oh, that was, was you. <laughs> was just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Anyway, yeah, no, I think that the energies that you get of Tenet's kind of manic, le- manic, manic lethargy, mm-hmm. and then Sheen's sort of tense depression, because um, Sheen, for me, particularly in his physicality of that profile shot of him always looking out a window, we never get to windows we never get to see because, while as we get a very good sense of Tenet's 
tenant and um, the tenants' house, as well as we haven't talked about Simon yet. Um, Simon and Lucy's uh, palatial house yeah that house is great yeah what what does lucy do because clearly she's got money yeah no that house is amazing um but we never get to see any more of sheen um sheen's house than what we see through the video conferencing which is very much a choice that they probably made from maybe it was too difficult to get them cameras maybe Sheen was just like no yeah well you know i thought it was entertaining is that i saw an interview they were on i think it was um graham norton maybe okay uh, to promote season two and mm-hmm. uh and they were talking about how like you know sheen is always the same shot the whole time and tenant mm-hmm. they move all around the thing and people you know reaching you know like talking for interviews and something like it was very interesting oh how like he's you're sta- you know he's static and you're constantly in flux and it really speaks to the characters like yes yes it's that and it's not the fact that i have five children and you know it's very challenging to find a moment that we can actually use a given room. That's it's all for the characters. That's the ticket. <laughs> that also makes a great deal of sense. God, five kids, including a baby, <laughs> including a baby. Just like yeah, no, because uh, Georgia gave birth. Georgia Tennant gave birth like right before the lockdown kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, just too many kids, too many of them. Um. <laughs> So yeah, um, I guess like, do we want to wait until like a little bit of spoily territory, not like full on spoilers, because yeah. I don't want to like give yeah some things away because no, they're just too good. Yeah, <laughs> you can't give everything away, but there are some certainly some things I think are really really fun. Like the I, I think one of the things I most enjoyed about this is how they balance like a voyeuristic um, enjoyment of these two really popular and famous actors right especially Mm -hmm. in the in um, like tenant obviously with doctor who but like even like with good omens and stuff there are plenty of people who are really enamored with sheen as well um and like so there's a good balance of like wish fulfillment of like getting a peek inside their lives and what they may be like or may you know may not be but it's like you know and then with abs, so like this heightened stuff, and then this absolutely mundane, completely relatable stuff. Like, yes. so we've been drinking more. <laughs> um, we're going to put our recycling out, and people can see it. And there's so many wine bottles. <laughs> like, like I, thought, I think they balanced all of that really, really well. Um, and just like I think they also balanced the like the name dropping and and like the celebrity stuff with just like uh we can't we're not going to the grocery store for a while what can I make I I, I promised I would make dinner and we have carrots and, and we have chocolate chocolate uh and we have the lasagna. But she already made the lasagna, so that's cheating. So what can I do? Yeah, like I th- there is, I think, a good flow and a good balance throughout that I that I think makes it really, really fun. Um, were there any other things like that that stood out to you, like structurally or like um, you know themes in the 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 or or like even just how they all respond to all these things? Like like I, I put the phone in the fridge, right? Like I think we've all kind of been at that point at some point in our quarantine. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I actually really liked about the show is that it doesn't make, like, a big joke out of pandemic living, especially in the early going. Like, there's this weird sense of 
wait, what are we supposed to do to all of it? Like, that's the whole point of it, is what are we supposed to do? Which is sort of what is being asked of the characters that come out of the play in Six Characters in Search of an Author. It's like, what are we supposed to do? Um, But I think that that in and of itself here kind of bleeds through and like what you were talking about of like, can't really go to the grocery store, drinking a lot more. We need a thing to do. So I wrote a screenplay. (laughs) And all this kind of stuff, I think that really speaks to this idea of like the project work of we're, we're going to make bread, we're going to solve animal crossing, mm-hmm. we're going to do all the things. And then you're just going to be like, well, I did all I did that. And in fact, because I had time, I was able to do that. And now I don't know what to do because I'm used to having something else to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think layering both the comedic and the tragic for one of to mirror those things within this, I think works really well. And I think it comes to no greater head and I'm going to spoil a slight cameo here, but it's not much of a cameo, but Adrian Lester's appearance is one mm-hmm. of my favorite things in this whole friggin' run. Um, a, because I love Adrian Lester a ton. I think he's great, but watching his just deep sense of denial about everything and then watching Tennant and Sheen, just pick at it and pick <laughs> at it and pick at it until he has to go for another 25 mile run. <laughs> I'm running like 20 miles a day. It's great. Um, it's just like, no, that's not great. Adrian Lester. That's bad. That means that you're running almost a marathon every day, Adrian. Why? Yeah. It's because you're sad. <laughs> yeah. I just don't so feel that. I, I just like yeah. walk it away. I just don't feel it. Yes, yep. exactly. So I think that there's just this really good way of finding a lot of the humor, but also a lot of like the sadness and concern about the unknowingness of the pandemic that, I mean, was like such a big thing, especially like by the summer in particular. Um, And I think intercutting our scenes of a largely deserted downtown London area, um, presumably stuff taken from Getty, as well as like BBC footage that they shot and then just repurposed, um, balances that out and kind of, I think, really wisely gives us a sense of openness to contrast how narrow the screens are. even if we do get some fun with screens as well as like people try to stretch them, um, which I thought was very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some good visual stuff with that. Yeah. The, the, and and uh, we should also mention Nina Sasanya as Joe, um, who is fun. I always enjoy yeah. her when she shows up. Yes. Um, she's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, Lucy Eaton is uh, the, who is Simon Evans, uh, actual sister too, playing herself. Like, like, this, I mean, it's just all very well put together and structured, and and you know, again, I think it's very well balanced, and it just keep, it just keeps moving. The fun with the frames, I think, it was good. I liked. Uh, I mean, like this is one of those where the credits are going, but you absolutely need to watch to the very end because yes, <laughs> yeah, be an epic ignore Hulu drop. trying to prompt you to the next episode. <laughs> like the like the the credit like things, like the way they play with the naming main positions and all of that. Um, it's just really, it's fun. It's an easy binge. You could also pace it out, but, um, yeah. Do you have any other final thoughts before we do a quick spoiler hit? No, no other final thoughts. Again, just watch this. It's really good. I'm nervous about watching the second season though. But, second yeah. season is a big, big change. Cause then the second season, yep. I mean, I guess spoilers, but the second season is reveals that this has been a TV show. And so now they're playing themselves 
adapting the show for an American, like doing an American remake. So like, it, right. Except for the fact that Sheen and Tennant have not been asked to reprise their roles for the yes, American version. Exactly. Right. So, so then I appreciate them wanting to do something different and acknowledging that they needed to change something. Like this is not a concept that can sustain two seasons. You need a twist yeah. for season two, but I also, that, that also tells me that, that the things that made this first season so successful are not necessarily going to work in the same way mm-hmm. for season two. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, okay. So this has given listeners time to tune out if they don't want any spoilers. We're still not going to spoil that cameo other than to say it's fantastic. Uh, and just like, it's so delicious. Like the way that, like the way that Tenet gets hoisted is just terrific. Um, but how could he not see that coming? <laughs> I, he should have, and he realizes he should have because uh, obviously. Um, but uh, that that's terrific. I liked the the um, the much promote pro mode, so I don't feel like it's what the appearance of Judy Dench, fantastic. Oh, she's so uh, good. And then uh, I think the the biggest thing for me was the handling of the neighbor machine. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I think that was like just like again the timing of it, just enough like real world pushing in. Um, and, and, and it gives an undercurrent of tension throughout the rest of the season. Um, of like they've been able to pretend everything is fine so far and right. then they can't, you know? So I, I think that, um, I, I, I really, those were the things that came to mind of things I wanted to mention, you know, that maybe were spoilery. Did you have any other things you wanted to mention? No, those are like the other things to mention. Like the Judy Dutch cameo is great. And I love the way that they both, Tenet and Sheen both immediately change because it's Dame Judy Dench here to talk some sense into you. Um, and it's just really delightful. And Judy Dench playing into the Judy Dench persona is just great. Um, easily a thing that should have gotten her an Oscar instead of her role in Shakespeare in Love, which was fine. But like mm-hmm. this, this is what you get an Oscar for, for your eight minutes. Um, she can't get an Oscar, obviously, because it'd be for Emmys. Um, but neither here nor there. Um, and yes, everything with the neighbor, I think, is great because you find a lot of comedy in it from <laughs> Sheen's just sheer frustration with being blackmailed into helping this old woman. Um, because she's <laughs> she's big brother with her CCTV, her hidden CCTV. Um, but then, like, it becomes a source of connection for him that means a lot and suddenly like you said it's the outside intruding on a very kind of secluded area so and again like sheen's whole world is really limited for us um in a way that the tenant stuff isn't and as a result of that having that storyline be the thing that is really sheen's um i think works really really well and just Again, feeds into that whole thing of Sheen's always looking outside, but we never get to see what the outside is that he's looking at. I just love that introduction of him staring at birds and talking about this finch that's taken over. It's just uh, so good. I liked his. Uh, I liked his painting and the, the pineapple <laughs> in the painting. It's all very good. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was so good. And his fluctuating levels of uh, awareness and uh, comfort speaking and understanding Italian. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. There's a lot to enjoy here. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much to add other than I was delighted. And thank you to friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, for having mentioned this enough 
that we were like, maybe, uh, like, we were trying to think of a show for this week. And did like, Allison mention this to us? I, oh, I yeah. did not remember that, that she had mentioned that to us. Um, so, Allison, I apologize that I just kind of zoned out on that. No, I just picked it because it was Hulu was pushing it on me and we needed a show for this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you know, that's why I jumped for it because, you know, she's a, a big fan. And, and um, so I'm excited for season two once it drops on. And Hulu's already aired in BBC, on BBC. Yeah, so. it, like last month. Yeah, so we'll see. But that will wrap up our chat on uh, Stage Season 1 um, and the episode for this week. A few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. We are up with an M4A chaptered feed, an MP3 unchaptered feed, and Apple Podcasts. We're also over on Stitcher. Um, though, apparently, not all the episodes are showing up on Stitcher because I went oh. to check to see if, like, I, I had a question about whether things are showing up in the apple uh feed and they are it's just it's a little more delayed for one of the two feeds and so i went to check stitcher and like like they just certain episodes just aren't there so i have no idea what that's about so maybe i need to just take us off of stitcher because apparently it's not a reliable place to get the podcast listeners if you actually listen on stitcher let me know and if you have an opinion as to whether we should continue to be on stitcher let me know um and you can do that by reaching out on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at Noble or Kate, don't let me know if we need to be on Stitcher. Just yeah. direct it at Kate. I have no control over any of this. <laughs> but thank you for a great discussion this week, Kate. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.